0: Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study every single day, seven days a week, just about 13, 14 minutes usually, keeping us in God's Word, and that's important for our faith because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. It also helps keep us focused on our relationship with God, and boy, that is so important, and so many people have lost that focus. Please share these studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means, and encourage them to start listening on a regular basis. And maybe you can help them grow in their faith and come closer to God and even get to heaven ultimately. What a great blessing for them and for you. So start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. We're going to begin a new line of thought and study. And as I like to do most of the time when we're getting into these particular studies, I like to begin with a question. And that really kind of sets up the whole study. And this one is a very, very important question. What would you give in exchange or what would you take in exchange for your soul? Have you thought about that? Probably most people have not thought about it. What would you give or what would you take in exchange for your soul? I suspect if you were to go down the street or maybe at work or maybe in your family, if you were to ask the question, that very question, I would suspect that the vast majority of people, if you posed that to them and said, have you ever thought about this? They'd probably say, no, not really, if they're, telling, if you, if they're being honest with you. What would you give or what would you take in exchange for your soul? Well, I want us to look at Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26 by way of introduction. And then we're going to look at this particular immediate context of scripture in more depth as we go along. But in that particular verse, Matthew 16 and verse 26, Jesus said, "For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world?" and loses his own soul or what will it, or or what will a man give in exchange for his soul soul searching question isn't it soul searching question a lot of people don't want to have to deal with such questions they don't want to have to deal with such deep introspective thinking in their personal spiritual lives and so they just avoid them by putting them out, them out of their mind. They don't, they don't think about such a question. But each one of us needs to really ask ourselves, what would you give or what would you take in exchange for your soul? Now, the instinctive reaction, kind of knee-jerk reaction, is automatic. What, we'd say, well, nothing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give anything. I wouldn't take anything for my soul. But how are you living your life? What does your lifestyle, the way you're living day in and day out before God and before your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what does that say about how you're really answering that question through the way you're living your life? It might be completely different from what you would verbally answer to the question. Well, what is your soul worth? What is our soul worth? Every single one of us. When God created mankind, when you go back all the way to Genesis chapter one, and you come toward the end of that particular chapter, now Genesis chapter one, it it gives us the creation account. The very first verse, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes on down day by day, what God created during those six days of creation. And all of the life forms, including plant life, and then also putting everything in place in a synchronous fashion upon this earth and the stars in the sky. So we can say the universe put all of it in place, all to work together to support one another and so on. And then he comes to what I consider, I like to think of and refer to as the crown of of his creation, and that's mankind. In verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, God so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them Now when God came to mankind he sort of shifted gears so to speak He had put all the other life forms already in place on this earth again he had brought order to the earth when you look at the first two verses in Genesis chapter 1 it says right after it says that God created the heaven in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth then it goes on and says and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep but now by the by the 26th verse God has created everything he's put the earth in order he's put the universe in order and for a purpose and with a purpose and then he comes and all the life forms he's already already created upon the earth and then he comes to man. And as I said, he sort of shifts gears here, and he creates mankind completely unique and different from every other life form that he had created already up to that point, in that he said, let us make man in our image. Now, when he says, when we read that, that That pronoun us there, I believe he's referring to God the Father and God, or rather God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. You go back to the first few verses and you find both God the Father and God the Spirit there. And then when you look in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, you find God the Son was there in the creation business, so to speak, in that process. And so He says, let us make man in our image. Now, what does that mean? Do we look physically like God? Of course not. When you read through 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul goes into depth and detail talking about how this mortal body cannot inherit immortality. And so he says, when it comes to that final day of judgment, and the saved are going to be with God in heaven, they're going to be given a new body. It's not going to be that physical body that they were buried with when they died, whenever that was during their lifespan and during the history of the earth, but they're going to be given a new body, a spiritual body. And he says those people who are still alive when the Lord comes again on that final day of judgment, We'll be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, so that this mortal will put on immortality. So again, we will receive, if we're still alive at that time, we will receive a new body, a spiritual body. So God is not saying, going to create mankind to look just like us. But I believe we're to understand he created us with a soul. And, in, and, and that is the sense in which he said, let us make man in our image. We have a soul within our physical body. We have a spiritual essence within our being. And that enables us to understand inherently or instinctively principles that nothing else, no other life form that God created can understand. We recognize good and we recognize evil and we recognize the difference between the two. We recognize righteousness and unrighteousness. We understand those principles, again, inherently and instinctively because we have a soul. Now, as I've said different times, many times in fact, in teaching, About these principles and about the difference between mankind and the rest of the animal kingdom, you can train certain animals to do certain things. They'll react based upon stimuli that you present to them, but they don't understand whether that is really good or bad. They don't understand righteousness from unrighteousness or goodness from evil. They're just responding to stimuli. We inherently understand the principles because we have that spiritual essence within us, that spiritual identity. We have a soul. We're created in God's image. Now, that, again, makes us certainly from the bottom line understanding a value that makes us more valuable, more important than any other life form. Now, that would bother some people probably, but they just need to get real. They need to really stop and think about what why they're upset about that kind of statement. It doesn't mean we don't love the animals. It doesn't mean we don't love plant life. It means God has made us unique from them. And in that sense, we, we are superior, and we are more valuable, and we need to understand that and live in a responsible fashion in respect to that. That's why God said, I believe we're to understand, let us put man over everything else, all other life forms that we have created upon this earth. You see, we are unique. We have a soul. Now, what is that soul worth? What would you give or take in exchange for that soul? Have you, or are there people in your life, people you know, have they actually thought about this? What am I doing? How am I living in regards to respecting my soul, my identity before God, from a spiritual perspective Again, I would suspect That if you were to ask that question To most groups of people And they were going to give you An honest answer They would, they would either be speechless Maybe hang their heads Because of you know embarrassment or shame Or else they would simply say I, I, I haven't really thought about it that much Or maybe I haven't really thought about it at all I want us to think about it deeply and seriously in this line of study. Remember what Jesus asked again. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for blessing us with a soul. Thank you for creating us in your image and with the hope of eternal salvation, eternal life with you in heaven. Guide us to live that life that respects that wonderful blessing that you have bestowed upon us by creating us in your image. Guide us to live in obedience to your teachings and thereby to your glory, Father. Please forgive us and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, Amen.